Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. In the name of Jesus we pray. Hallelujah. What a sweet Lord. What a sweet Lord. The book of Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. The book of Numbers 23 and 19. I know this was mentioned last Sunday, but let me just remind you again that on the second and fourth Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m., we are now having a Spanish service. We've been very, very excited about the possibility of where this ministry can lead as a church, and we want to certainly ask you to join with us in prayer and and um, ask God to help us to have the spirit of favor upon our lives would also ask those that are close enough or any bits open to all but certainly those that are close enough to be a support uh, be a support to this ministry and uh, such a sweet spirit has been so evident in every service what a just a sweet sweet presence of the Lord and uh, I'll tell you what, you, you may not be able to understand if you don't speak the language, the songs, or maybe not even able to understand the message, but you can feel the presence of the Lord. That I understand, that I can relate to, and, uh, and so we just want to invite you to be a part of that, and certainly your presence here in prayer and support will be a welcomed asset to that extension of our church now. Uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 23, and verse number 19. The Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God is not a man that he should lie. But what the Lord says, he means, and he will bring it to fruition in our lives. Amen. And so I'm just going to preach today for a little while on this simple subject, a God that you can trust, a God that you can trust. I know that seems pretty uh, elementary in the spirit and the power that we feel here today. Amen. That seems a little... Simplistic if we think about how warm the presence of the Lord is here this morning. But the truth of the matter is that in just a few moments, fewer than you may believe, this service is going to conclude. These lights will go out and every individual and family will file out of this building and many will walk right back into the storms and the sickness and the pain. Amen. And so this is not something I want to try to convince you of here and now, but what I want to underline and convince you of 
is when you walk away from this building and you're more than an arm's reach from corporate worship and the strength of fellowship of others. I want you to understand something. We have a God you can trust. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I, like many of you that are sitting here this morning, was raised in an atmosphere, in a home, and in a culture where I was taught to be honest. I grew up hearing things like, honesty is the best policy. Parents that, that said, even if you're guilty, if you'll tell the truth, the penalty will be less than if you tell a lie. And so we brought that same principle into our home and into the rearing of our son. And even though sometimes the truth was difficult, it wasn't always easy to be honest. Amen. Even to the people that didn't want to respond right there, it's not always easy to be honest. It didn't always come easy. But I can, I can say that I found that statement to be true. And... Um, you know, I don't want to leave the impression that I, you're standing and looking at a pathological liar. <laughs> but I'm talking about those seasons of our lives when the doctor asks you, have you been eating right? Have you been getting the proper uh, exercise? And he's looking at the chart. He knows the answer. He's, it's kind of like God in the garden. <laughs> Adam and Eve wasn't lost to God. He was asking them a question for them to consider themselves. Honesty. S.I. McMillan tells the story of a young woman who wanted to go to college. And so as she began to fill out the college application, her heart sank when she read the question on the application that asked, are you a leader? Both being honest and conscientious, she wasn't really sure what the college was reaching for in that particular question and didn't want to be perceived um, in a negative light, but nevertheless, she wanted to be honest and wanted to be pure. And so when she was asked, are you a leader in that blank line, she just simply wrote no. When she wrote no and finished the application and mailed it in, her heart sank because she was really expecting the worst. But much to her surprise, she received in just a few weeks a letter from that same college, and in this letter it stated, Dear Applicant, a study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 brand new leaders, and we're accepting you because we feel that it is imperative to have at least one follower. <laughs> And so out of 1,453 applications, she was the only one that was willing at that moment, even if she thought it may put her in a little bit of a negative light, to just be honest and say, this is how it is. Now, we've all had those moments, haven't we? Where, where you knew the answer and you realize if I answer this correctly, that it may leave me in a negative light. I'm thankful to be serving a God that I know will not be bashful about just speaking the truth into my life. I'm thankful to be serving a God that I can have absolute trust in. 
And I can say with a calm assurance as well as many as you sitting here today that God has never one time let me down. That doesn't mean that I didn't experience and have not experienced seasons of my life where I thought God was running late. Times where I thought maybe God had lost my address that somehow in the hustle and bustle of all of the kingdom's work that somehow little old me got lost and left out to the big picture. But God truly has never let me down. I'm thankful for this book that's open before me today because in it I find the fulfillment of his promises. They are truly yea and amen. There is such strength to be found there. One generation in this book speaks to another generation. That generation to another generation. Finally, one writer pins the words similar to this that said these were given to us as in samples. They were given to us to look on, to reflect upon their lives and look at them. I'm very, for one, I am very thankful that all of the Bible characters have listed both their strengths and their weaknesses. I've said many times when you're reading Hebrews 11 about all of those heroes, before you just cower and pull the covers completely over your head and start sucking your thumb, what you need to do is don't just read that one chapter, but you need to put your finger on that name that was listed as a hero and then go back and study their life. And when you study their life, you'll find them high and you'll find them low. You'll find them in their successes and you will find them in their failures. But what made them succeed and what made them heroes is that they never stopped trusting in God. And even when they were laying face down in the dust of their own failure, they found a God that would come and restore them and breathe life and hope back in to them. You won't find a man in scripture or you'll be hard pressed at least to find a man or a person in scripture any lower down than Samson the very last few moments of his life. You'll find a man here that has been depleted of his image, a man that has been depleted of of his fame, a man's strength that has been robbed of him, his name is little more than mud. But it was standing there in the very end that he prayed and God heard that prayer, that penitent heart. God understood and God does understand still brokenness. That contriteness has always been such a sweet smelling savor to God that he just cannot resist brokenness. And in that state of brokenness, God heard and answered his prayer. And oh, what a testimony there is in the end that of his life that he took out more of his enemies than he did during the, all of his life. And so I'm thankful to know today that I can be filled with assurance that God is going to hear and answer my prayer. And those generations before us that speak to us, whose lies even echo to us today, speak to us of God's ability to meet our needs. We can put our trust in him. After the death of Moses, it was Joshua that was chosen to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Now, Joshua had been around a long time. He wasn't some Johnny come lately. He had watched with his own eyes how the Lord had carried them through some very desperate situations. He was there when they first encountered Canaan. He was was there. He was a part of that group. He was a part of the group of believers, that small 
minority of believers that said our God is more than able to carry us through. And even when they were outvoted and sentenced to 40 years of marching around the mountain in the wilderness, he continued his steadfastness before God because he said, I believe we can trust him. We can trust him. He was part of the band that marched around Jericho's walls and watched them crumble. He saw Israel high and he saw Israel low. He saw Israel win and he saw them lose but he never saw the Lord let them down. Then in the closing verses of the book that bears his name, we find this incredible testimony of a man in his waning hours that is wanting to just say a few more things to a generation that will follow him. Joshua 23 and 14, he said, and behold this day, I am going the way of all the earth And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you and not one thing hath failed thereof. Now friend, you can say what you want to, but I believe there were some men standing in that group that heard these words that went on to live a few more stormy days. They went on to live through a few more cloudy days. And there may have been times and seasons in their lives when doubt tried to overwhelm them and when their fears seemed greater than their faith that somehow somebody in the camp reminded them, but don't forget, don't forget what Joshua said. Don't forget Joshua's last sermon where he said, I am going the way of all the earth, just like the flower wilts and dies, and just like the tree will one day live its final day. I, too, am going the way of all the earth, but I just want you to know something in your heart. I want to speak something into your soul. I want you to know this, and I want you to underline it, that God has not ever failed. Everything that he has ever said, everything he ever spoke concerning you. He said, it has all come to pass and not one thing has failed thereof. And so Joshua about to leave, wanting to somehow sling words of hope into another generation. Amen, he's not going to bid farewell until he has underlined some very important things. Amen, so I'm dying just like all the rest of the earth, he said, but you need to remember one thing. Not one word of God has ever fallen to the ground. Uh, Essentially, Joshua was saying God has kept his word. Since we know that God will keep his word, then I know that he will keep me. We have no trouble saying amen when this is preached many times in collective audiences. But the question that I suppose really begs an answer is this, is that does our life really reflect this when we're away from the strength of one another. When when we're all alone in that cave of Abdullam like David found himself, when we're all alone and it just seems like everything we touch is turning to mud, can my life really be a reflection of that hour that I know I can trust him? I know that hell may be trying to chip away at my faith and what I see may not really be a reflection of what I have heard with my ears, but I'm gonna tell you in my heart, I wanna know that I can trust him. And so whenever I have the absence of his promise, 
I want to still walk like I'm holding it. Amen, when I don't see the presence of hope around me, I want to still keep walking. I want to be found faithful. I want to tell you something this morning. The people that are in this building, they're not just here because everything's going well in their life. They didn't just show up today because it was a good day and they came to the house of the Lord. But many of them pulled sorrow with them to this house. Many of them pulled pain and peril with them to this house. But they said, I know, I can trust God. And so I'm going to worship him. Amen, I am going to worship him. I want to have the testimony like those around us that have been faithful to him through it all. Amen. There are times when we have to walk through seasons of our lives and we, like Job, can't seem to find him when we look. What honesty, what transparent honesty we find in Job when he says, I look for him before me and I couldn't find him. I look for him behind me and on each side of me, but I just could not seem to find him. But yet, we would still hear that same man utter at other times these words, yet will I trust him. My confidence is fixed. My gate is fixed. And I am going to trust the Lord. We show evidence of our trust in God when we exercise our faith in the one that can give us eternal life. The book of Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2, the Bible says this, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Amen. That God that cannot lie. I don't want to offend anybody here today. I'm not trying to suggest we've just got a room full of liars, but I will suggest this. We've got a room full of potential liars. Because we all have the ability to lie. Amen. Push back that spirit of offense, would you? Amen. Push back that spirit of offense. And hear the preacher today. We all have the ability to lie. We all have the potential to lie. Because we're made of that old Adamic flesh that failed in the garden still haunts us today. We have it in us, the nature to lie. But the Bible says that God cannot lie. Now that's an incredible statement. God cannot lie. Amen. He cannot do it. And so I, I want to put my trust and my confidence in him. I trust other people around me. They've got a great track record of telling the truth and being honest and being people that are dependable. But you know, even in the most dependable person, you can find flaw and error. But God said, I cannot lie. The hope of eternal life, which God yet cannot lie, promised before the world began. In all honesty, we have a lot of faith in the Lord to trust Him for many things. I suppose at the top of that list, is the fact that we trust Him for the forgiveness of our sins. We do. We have to trust Him for that. His Word said that. In my weakness of humanity, there are days that I just can't seem to remember some things that I ought to. I mean, I don't just forget trivial things some days. Some days I forget important things. Please don't leave me out here alone now. I've forgotten to do important things. And by the same token, there are days that I can't seem to forget. A few things that I desperately need to forget. And so some days you're on, some days you're off. And so I pray, Lord, help me to find that balance. I don't think I'm alone in this. That's why it's so hard for us to rationalize the power and the validity of Hebrews 8 and 12. 
The Bible says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. What a powerful promise. What a powerful promise. It goes without saying that often Satan tries to defeat us in our pursuit of spiritual growth. And one of the tools that he uses, and many times successfully, is to try to beat us to death with our past failures. And it's because we can't forget that ourselves that the battle really ensues, Brother Rayleigh. When I kneel down in prayer and the enemy starts trying to come against my mind and, and, and he starts trying to come against, against me and reaching forward, are you finding yourself here today? Amen. When the enemy starts trying to press in on those things that we've already prayed and asked forgiveness for because I can't forget them and he won't forget them because the Bible says he is the, the accuser of the brethren both day and night he stands before the throne. And so because I have the, the inability to forget that and because he won't forget that, then I struggle believing that God said that I will remember them no more. And so when I kneel in prayer, I have to reach around all the accusations. I have to rebuke him in the power of the name that he gave us on the cross and say I gotta press through and realize that even though I can't comprehend it and I can't understand it, I can trust that God said, when I turn to him with a repentant heart, when I turn to him in brokenness and in contriteness, that he would wash them away and he would remember them no more. What a powerful, powerful promise. Amen. What a powerful promise. And so that's why I want to be reminded that God not only forgives sins, but he forgets them. I'm thankful to be serving a God that I can trust, aren't you? And when those winds of opposition start blowing and it seems like I'm losing my steam, I'm thankful for the promise that said he would never leave me nor forsake me. He's been with me when I've been up and he's been my midnight friend and companion when I've been down. Amen. I, I believe I'm standing in the, in the company of men and women that have, few, have crossed a few miles of floodwaters. Amen. I'm not just gathered a bunch of, with a bunch of novices here this morning. I believe there's some battle scars that are evident. There's also some trophy winners in this building today. You've got some trophies on the mantle, some battles that you've won in your past. You've got scars in your soul to prove the battles that you've been in. As I was preparing, finishing, preparing last night, I, I, I thought about a song. That was popular when I was growing up in church. Uh, just in, in all honesty, just out of the clear blue, this song. I haven't thought of it in years and years and years. But this song just came to my heart and I began to sing. I, I began to, what words I could pull out of that old memory bank, I began to sing them. And, and uh, just in my heart, I was sitting in my chair and I, I just began to recite all of those that I could recall. And after a while, I felt that just burning in my heart. In my heart, and I, I, I looked at the rest of the words of it. I said, I want to I I read over this again. I want to sing this to myself 
Amen. I just had a song service, if you please, right by myself in the den. I know I may lose some of the younger ones, but there's some in this building that will remember this well because this old song talked about the church. This song talked about Zion and Zion's strength. This old song talked about the prevailing power of Zion. You could put your trust in the church. The church has been tried. The church has been tested. Amen. But the church has stood the test of time. The old song spoke about the church, and it went something like this. It's the old ship of Zion. It's the hope for the lost and the dying. It's a soul-saving station. It's the tower of salvation. It's the church triumphant, O Lord, and it's built by the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I sat in my chair and I said, that was good, God. I think I'm gonna do it again. It's the church. It's the church, the old ship of Zion. It's the hope of the lost and the dying. Hear me today, this is just a brick and mortar building to some people that pass by. But to others, this is far more than just another building. But it was hope. I was lost. I was dying. I was wounded in my heart. I was wounded in my spirit. But I found, I found hope. I found hope in Zion. I found hope in Zion. It was a soul saving station. It was the tower of salvation. It's the church triumphant. Not the church dragging one leg. Not the church battered and torn. Not the church hoping for the best. Not the church hoping we get one more day. But it's the church triumphant. Hallelujah. And it's built by the hand of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. Oh, here's how, here's how we used to do it in years gone by. And if you're not ashamed of being around years gone by, then why don't you just help me here? Because one line would say, it's been through the storm, and the choir would say, oh, yes. (laughs) But the wind couldn't turn it, and the choir would say, oh, no. It's been through the fire, oh, yes. But the fire couldn't burn it. Oh, no. (laughs) It's been fed to the lions. Oh, yes. But the lion couldn't eat it. Oh, no. Fought many wars. Oh, yes. But it's never been defeated. Oh, no. You know why? Because it's the church. It's the church. Talking about the church in the book of Revelation. It's built on a rock got a firm foundation, been through the flood, been through the fire, but one of these days, the church is gonna move up a little bit higher. It's the church triumphant, and it's built by the hand of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm preaching about a God you can trust. I'm talking about a God at the midnight hour you can put your faith in. A God, when everything else is going wrong, you can trust him. Oh, oh, 
Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you why you can put your trust in the church. I'm going to tell you why you can cash it all in. I'm going to tell you why you can hook your wagon to this star. It's because God made this promise. Upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Paul stood on a ship in the middle of a storm on the way to Rome. And he said, an angel of the Lord has stood by me this night. And he has told me that we're gonna have to stay with the ship. There's not gonna be one soul that'll perish. You need to hold on. You need to hang on. Some were saying we ought to jump out. Some ought to said we ought to look for calmer seas. Some said we ought to go here or we ought to go there. But Paul said, no, stay with the church. Stay with the ship. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today, get your eyes off the fence. Stop gazing out the window. Amen. Don't turn and look out the door. Put your faith and your confidence in the church because you can trust God, the God of this church. You can trust him. You can trust him. Now, I kind of made up my mind this morning I was going to be calm and behave today. And I'm doing my dead level best. But Isaiah 43 and 2 says this. When thou passest through the waters, I will be there. Not if you pass, but when you go through the storms, when you go through the waters, I will be there with thee I will be with thee and when and and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee when thou walkest through the fire thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee another translation says this when you go through deep water And when you go through deep trouble, I will be with you. I'm preaching today to men and women that I know are in some deep water and they're in some great trouble. I've walked to this pulpit today to tell you that God said, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Hallelujah. I'm going to hold on to the unchanging hand of God you can take God at his word he's God enough hear me he is God enough to be able to reach down as far as your situation calls for I know this may seem a little unorthodox but I want to turn to John 4 for just a moment It's a familiar story, but bear with me. John 4 talks about Jesus stopping at the well and meeting the woman of Samaria. John 4 and 7, let's just read a little bit of this. The Bible says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then the woman of Samaria Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, excuse me, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. 
Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest, wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse number 11 is where I'm really trying to get. The Bible says, The woman saith unto him, Now this is all factual. She's not just being negative Nancy. She didn't just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. This is a very intelligent statement and a very, and a very factual statement. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Now, I appreciate all that we've been talking about, but there's some inescapable facts here and that is, is that you obviously have no rope and no bucket. And have you looked at the well? I don't know how this played out, obviously. But as I read the Bible, and certainly when I'm studying certain passages of Scripture, I, I just try to place my, myself in that setting. I, I, that may sound silly to you, but I, I, just, I just try to I try to lift up from where I am and plant myself in that situation and and here's this man talking about water and drawing from a well and on and on and on and on. And she's just kind of lost in the whole mix of it all. And she says, but I just need to point out two things. That you have nothing to draw with and the well is very deep. Now, is it possible that she was looking over in the well? Amen. Maybe she was just looking down and, and all she could see was just darkness. She knew from past experiences that the water was there somewhere. It was down there eventually. It was down there beyond the light of day, beyond the shining sun of noon. I know it is there. Amen. She may have just leaned over and then took one more assessment and said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is very deep. Amen. I think she made a great point. The well is deep. Amen. She could see nothing that would off, that would bring about, bring any of that into fruition. Amen. I, I, I want you to understand. I realize that she didn't really realize who she was talking to. That point is made clear in Scripture. But don't we face similar situations? For this woman, she was talking about a deep well as it related, she was talking about a deep well literally as it related to water and a need for sustenance of the day. But I'm going to tell you, we also face deep wells in our own lives. And seemingly we have nothing to draw with. We may be facing a deep well of uncertainty concerning our health. But I'm going to tell you today, there is a God we can trust. And so when the preacher is preaching about healing or the song, is, is the lyric and the singers are talking about a God that can heal, I know sometimes it's our tendency to just take one more look over into the well that's going on in our life and say, but, but, but the well is deep and we have nothing to draw with. The well is deep and I have nothing to draw with. Maybe you're facing a deep well of a broken marriage and home, but I'm gonna tell you today, he's a God you 
you can trust. You may be facing a deep well of grief that is beyond your vocabulary, but he is a God we can trust. We may peer over into the well of our own uncertainty and realize that indeed it is a deep well. But what she didn't realize is he didn't need rope. He didn't need bucket. He was not at all intimidated about how far down the water line was. He was the God of God's the creator of the ends of the earth. And I want you to know something, that when we peer over into the wells of our certainties, when we peer into the well of the things that we're facing every day, we are serving a God that we can trust. I can trust him. No matter how deep the well, I can trust him. We're serving a God that can be trusted. Amen. I'm coming in for a landing here, but I want you to hear me. Those times when it seems like the well is deeper than we dare imagine. Those times that we didn't seem to have the ability to see how God was going to come through. You ever been in a mess? I'm probably preaching some people that's been in a fine mess. So apparently there's a difference because my mother would say from time to time, well, you're in a fine mess. I assume that's a notch above just a regular mess. I've been in a fine mess. I've had the dust of a fine mess all over me. Well, you're related to that right out of the gate. And I knew that God could be trusted. It made no sense here and now what I can put my hands on. I can't connect these dots. But God keeps his promises. I know that. Joshua's bowed over. Age has slow walked him down, Brother Rayleigh. He said, I got one more thing I want to say. Somebody, if this it was a more modern era and, and to be in, in a more contemporary setting, he would say, somebody lean me against that pulpit one more time. The strength of his back and legs were gone. His voice wasn't as demanding as it had been at one time but he propped himself up ever how you want to imagine it. And he said, I just want you to know one thing, that everything God said he would do, he did. And don't you ever forget that. I'm dying. I'm leaving you. But you remember this, that long before you were ever even born, what God said he was going to do, he did it. Before I was even born, before I got on the Canaan journey, There was a promise made in Genesis 11 and what God said he would do in Genesis. He did it. And don't you ever doubt it. Like Isaiah 55 and 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So if we're going to impact our world truly, impact our world, then we're going to have to take him at his word. 
when he promises to do something? What would we do, I ask you today, without his promises? If God cannot lie, then that means he will keep every promise he has ever made. And that means I can trust him. I can trust him. I can trust him. I'm thankful for people in my life, even in their human frailties, that can be trusted. I've had people say things to me about others before. And because I knew that sounded so out of the ordinary, and I knew I could trust that individual, I could stand with confidence and defend them and say, I think you've got something wrong. I think you've got something wrong. But you know, if that same scenario plays out against somebody that's not trustworthy, leaves room for a lot of question marks, doesn't it? Kind of muddies the water. Your assurance is not quite at the level that it could have been. I'm thankful to know that I can trust him. Let's, Let's stand together. There have been times... In the last many, many years, I've had to step into hospital rooms <clears throat> and the situation seemed bleak, seemed beyond desperate, didn't make sense to us, but I knew I could trust God. I've stepped into funeral parlors to hold the hands of hurting, wounded families. Didn't make sense to us that I could stand there with confidence because I knew we were serving a God that could be trusted. Amen. Today, with the help of the Lord, I've just tried to stand at the bow of this ship called Zion. And if you feel like you're just bobbing up and down in the, in the waters, I just came with the help of God to just sail one more lifeline your way to say, hook your arm in this. I'm not denying you're not wet. I'm not denying the winds are not blowing. I'm not trying to get you to ignore the waves. But I'm saying you can hook your arm into this and hold on. When the ship ran aground that I mentioned a moment ago Paul on his way to Rome I take such a great consolation in this that those men not one life was lost and those men made it safely to the shore many of them holding on to a piece of the boat so I'm going to close today and tell you this that if all you can hold on to is a piece of the church a piece of the church just a portion of the church in the storm will be enough. It'll be enough. If you just hold on to God, if you feel like you don't have a big piece of God, even a broken piece of God will be substantial to hold us in the storm. Can we slip our hands heavenward and thank him for the power of his promises in Jesus' name. I love you today, Jesus.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.